0: All right, um, we're in First Corinthians, I'll, I'll read verse 18 with you, we're, we're not going to get through all of these verses in any kind of way, we're going to read them, this section is probably going to take two weeks to get through, or three, based on where the Spirit leads us, so, so why don't you start reading with us, First Corinthians 1, 18 through 31, let, let, let's, matter of fact, let's stop at verse 25, uh, let's, let's go, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Keep going. Oh, oh man, in our series through 1 Corinthians on It's Time to Grow Up, I, I'd like to tag this text, uh, Growing Up in Our Thinking, Growing Up in Our Thinking. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for uh, being in Christ and in knowing Christ, you are continuously growing us up, maturing us in our need to look more like Christ and, 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 and how to have our thinking shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God, today I, I pray that you would uh, saturate us with a sense of our need in different areas of our life where our thinking is off base, and there's no one here that doesn't have off base thinking. Every last one of us have traces of thinking that isn't submitted to the cross. And so, God, in order for that to happen, like this, 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 these verses are saturated with the 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 word power that. Power recognizes that there takes it takes supernatural intervention for our lives to shift. And, um, it, it doesn't happen by us reading a, some type of self-help book. It doesn't. It doesn't happen uh, by, by merely uh, talking to someone generally in the world. Lord, we we need a shift in the in the supernatural power of our minds to change. We need to change our minds. There's stuff in our minds we need help with. So, God, in order to do that, we need you to show up like crazy. Yeah. We need you to show up and, 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 and pierce eternity into time and change us for your name's sake. And so, yeah. so, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart get me out of the way. Be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. You, you may be seated. Uh, I, I remember when I was in high school uh, in the late 80s. And um, don't look at me funny. Um, and I got my first job in the mid-'80s. I got my first job mid-'80s. I was working for, I w- I'm from D.C., so uh, Marion Barry had a mayor youth program. And uh, and, and so we was making, it's it going, the 335 an hour was the minimum wage at that time. 335, and I was like, man, we bringing in the dough, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 20 hours a week, 335. You know, I ain't never had no loot besides, you know, a little bit of allowance. my inner city dad gave me, you know what I'm saying, but but, but I was making my own little paycheck, and we were literally paid to learn. So, I related to work, and really, my first experience with work was interesting. Then, I went from there because the May U program only lasted for eight weeks during the summer program, I mean, summertime. And that was when I was 14, early 80s. Then, 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 then I started working at a drugstore before there was CVS, before there was Eckert, which is gone now. Before there was Walgreens, there was People's Drugstore in, in, in D.C., People's Drugstore. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But I worked for People's Drugstore, got fired for stealing. Uh, I'm telling my stuff. Uh, went from People's Drugstore, started working at a theater and McDonald's at the same time. So I, I was working for both. i do the theaters at night, and i do McDonald's either on the week, you know, during the day, and boom. I, and so I, I related to work clocking in and clocking out. Then when I went to college, um, a, 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 a good friend of mine helped me to get a corporate job. Now, now I'm going to just let you know that the way I was used to work and coming into the corporate job was a whole nother learning. I mean... You understand the learning curve, your boy? I'm like 18, 19, going into corporate. I mean, it's up. It was, I mean, I was working for Sally Mae, reconciling loan sale agreements. And so I was up in that month feeling like my learning curve was getting rocked up in the marketing department. You know, it's departments and. You know, I'm not clocking in, clocking out. I got to be on time. People don't say nothing to you. They just watch you and take notes. And you know, in the McDonald's, they come up, what you doing coming late? You look, You know, I ain't used to that. But, but you know, in the corporate zone, it was a little different. You know, and people didn't really talk. Now, this was this. I'm not saying all corporate like this, but they didn't really talk. I mean, you want to start a conversation like, oh, OK. Okay, I talked to you at lunchtime and I was like, dang, we don't talk to each other. So I was used to us, you know, because I had a mentality about work. And it's my learning curve was just rocked. But 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 it was helpful for me because of the discipline of the environment to begin to develop being on time ethics, uh, work ethic, uh Structure to my work, uh being able to be given an assignment and fully completed, and when my work was finished, to be able to initiate doing work beyond the work that I was giving to help the company move. I mean, and so, so it was it was it was helpful for me. Well, what what does that have to do with our text today? Everything. Because when you come a believer, before you're a believer, you're used to a certain ethic of life, a certain way of thinking that you're not used to. But then when you become a believer. Everything about your life must change, but the core of where the change takes place is in here, because if this doesn't change, this won't change, this won't change, and these surely won't change. And so there's a necessity that there's a learning shift that happens in the life of the believer because thinking becomes different and God's way becomes a a, a part of the matrix that helps you and I to become better people for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, a spiritually immature church that is extremely spiritually gifted but extremely spiritually mature. And and, in being extremely spiritually gifted and extremely spiritually mature, he's trying to upgrade their upgrade their working format. for Jesus Christ. And he, but, but he's trying to do it not through getting them to do more works, but to trust in the gospel more effectively to help it change the way they think, so that the way they're doing things may change. Because all of their immaturity that you're going to see throughout the whole book is hinged in this chapter of them developing a philosophy of God's way with it relates to the gospel. And so I'm excited about this chapter because I think it's going to challenge us It's going to have some intellectual bent to it. It's going to have some heart bent to it. It's going to have some feet bent to it. But I didn't want to rush through this. I wanted to get through verse 31 today, but then then, then, then the Spirit was like, no, I want you to slow this jaw down. I want you to slow it down, and I really want you to systematically walk God's people through how God changes our philosophy of functioning as believers. I remember my father. my father to this day was so trained as a soldier— he was in World War Two in the Korean War. He a, 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 for those few years that he was in the war, when he he's 90 years old now, and his his mindset and his structure is still based on the basic training that he had in basic training. So at five, he's like ba-bing, he's up. You know what I'm saying? My dad. Well, I mean, he don't he don't like wake up. You know, you'd be like this. He don't. I mean, he has he's never had an alarm clock since the war. Now, I mean, can you imagine that? My dad can go to bed at. 30, 5 o'clock, bing, b- he wake up. I mean, it, it weirds me out, right? Um, because of the way that he was trained, the way that he was discipled in the army, the way that he was trained. There's a certain mindset, and he would just wake us up. If, if it was 9 o'clock and it's Saturday, he'd come in the room, hey. Hey. Y'all got to wake up, huh? Get up out the bed. Like, Daddy is Saturday. No, I don't get up. You got to do something. You ain't gonna sleep all day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like, Daddy, can I have one day? Can you your boy? No. Get your butt out there. Because his mindset was if you sleep past a certain time, you're gonna be functionally lazy for the rest of your life. So he got my behind up out of the bed every, every day, six o'clock, waking us up. I'm angry on steroids, right? But but but, but 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 that's what the conditioning of the gospel does to you. When God makes a change, there, there are signals and involuntary actions as you mature that becomes a part of your soul that you begin to say, man, like, like, like life now, I can't believe I actually had a life like that. Now that I'm like this, I can't see life any other way because the gospel disciplines you and strengthens you in that way, which brings me to my first point and only point. I got one point today. If you're you're going to grow up in, if we're going to grow up in our thinking, number one, number one, becoming a Christian reshapes how we view everything. Uh, Listen, put that not just on the paper and in your notepad on your phone. Put it in your spirit. Becoming a Christian reshapes, somebody say reshapes. reshapes. Reshapes how you think about everything. Uh, 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 we, 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 we've talked about here at Epiphany Fellowship, worldview. Somebody say worldview. or oh, y'all not loud enough. Say worldview. 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 A worldview or a Christian worldview is a, a, a grid that people who know Jesus Christ are to develop based on the Bible, on how they look at, interact with, Understand God, people, life, and decision making. Let me say that again, because this is foundational to what we're talking about. I want to say this again, because it's very, very foundational to what we're talking about. A Christian worldview, not a worldview, but a Christian worldview is a grid. Somebody say grid. grid. A grid that people who know Jesus Christ, who know Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sins by faith, are to develop... From the Bible, it's key, on how they look at, interact with, and understand God, people, life, and decision making. So we come here to this passage, and Paul seems to go on a gospel rampage here. And he starts off by talking about this. He says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. He says, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I love this. When he talks about the word of the cross, he's talking about the good news about Jesus Christ. But it's interesting. Here in the text, he'll never mention the resurrection. And it's not that he's excluding the resurrection. He's because the Corinthians were a people that would have liked the resurrection. They would have liked the resurrection because the resurrection means you want to come up, right? You know what I'm saying? You 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 know you 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 got your game on, and, and something happening in your life, right? But the cross was something they wouldn't have really liked, because of what their culture was like, because they viewed lowliness as a lack of spirituality, a lack of weakness. What uh, meekness was taken mistaken for weakness, and, and, and so and so when he talks about the cross, he he he's 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 not mentioning the resurrection on purpose because he doesn't want them to jump to the resurrection without seeing the cross. See, most people like the resurrection, but they don't like the cross. But most people like exaltation, but they don't like humiliation. I wish I had some help right there. And so so in your life, that, that's why process is so important. The, the cross let us know that process is so important. But the Corinthians didn't like process. See, most of us because of a lot of our uh, 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 our disposition, and, and, and some of us, elitism and disposition towards life, we think the world owes us something. But what the cross teaches us is God owed us death. But in the place of us being owed death, Christ did what was going to be a part of the framework of our lives forever, and that is no cross, no glory. No cross, no crown, right? And so he said, he says, the word of the cross is folly. The word of the cross brings... One commentator says, it brings judgment in its wake and divides humanity into two groups that are not based on traditional categories of race, gender, (laughs) and status, but instead on their eschatological destiny. In other words, humanity, even in this church, there are different types of ethnicities all over this congregation. However, with all of these different ethnicities across uh, uh, across this congregation, there are really only two people groups that exist within it. Okay, there's those who are spending eternity with God and those who aren't. Okay, so 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 your racial com- or your ethnic commonality is transcended by your eternal reality. And so so therefore, that doesn't mean we act like ethnicity doesn't exist, but we don't let our ethnicity influence how our brotherhood and interaction and how the cross unified us to say that we're brothers and sisters in Christ who have a larger destiny because of what Christ has done for us, not just me. Okay? And so uh, uh, C.S. Lewis on this, he, he says, Immortal horrors and everlasting splendors, he calls it. But then it's not surprising that the cross looks like the height of folly. Because he said to y'all, it's folly. It's foolishness, right? To those who are self-absorbed, someone says. He says they reject it because it challenges the cherished value of personal gratification. Whose currency is wealth, fame, and power, right? He says from a human perspective, God's ways look foolish and weak. And no one, uh, so, so no more so than in the crucifixion where God offers salvation to the world by a means it loathes and spurs. <coughs> God's kingdom is backwards from man's kingdom. God's kingdom is always because, when, if you know, that. see most people say, uh, uh, that when they say God spoke to them or said something to them, it's, it's, many, many times it's something, many times that we came up with it wasn't him. Let me tell you how you really know that God spoke to you. If you wouldn't have told yourself that. See, y'all lost that. Y'all going to get that one day. But I'm just telling you right now. If you wouldn't have told you that, God is the one telling you that. Because God always tells you something that's farthest away from what you want to do. And conjure up. I ain't talking about, I'm spiritual, so I ain't walking in the flesh. I, see, there you go. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about you in the flesh. You create fleshly mindsets, but then God tells you to walk spiritually, and you're like, I, I don't want to do that because it's against what I actually want to do. That means God is talking to you then, right? And, 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 so, and, so, and so this idea of the cross being folly, in and, and some translations, <coughs> I, I, I like the fact that it says foolishness is because the cross is against and it challenges Every single aspect of our own, uh, 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 our own narcissism. That's what the cross challenges. It challenges our narcissism. It challenges our self-love. <laughs> that's, why, that's, why, that's why people, when they say, man, you know, if you love yourself more, if, if the, the, the root of your issue is you have to love yourself. And if you love yourself every, you know, you'll be able to love others, but you can't love others until you love yourself. That means you have to take care of yourself. You need you time all the time. Like, if you don't want to be, if that relationship doesn't make you happy, then don't be in that relationship. If that job doesn't make you happy, don't go to that job. If that church doesn't make you happy, don't go to that church. In other words, I didn't know. Uh, in other words, in the kingdom, it's not about what you personally conjure up makes you feel good. At the center of the cross, the cross is about Christ not feeling good on our behalf. I don't know if Christ felt like going to the cross. God, remove this cup from me, bleeding blood, sweating blood, and carrying on. I don't think that was a good feeling when they were beating him with a cat and nine whips, pulling the skin off his back. I don't know if he felt like doing that. Matter of fact, in the middle of it, I don't know. I I don't know. I'd have, as soon as they sworn the thing with Kemp on me one time, I'd have just dropped dead right there. <laughs> but 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 our insatiable lust in our society. For self-satisfaction drives everything in our lives, and most of the things that drives our self-satisfaction does not grow us. Doesn't grow you. Now, does God give satisfaction? Yes. But the satisfaction is based on your philosophy of what satisfaction is being changed. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, if you don't change your mindset on what satisfies and how God satisfies, then you'll be substandardly satisfied not knowing that for freedom Christ has set you free. And because for freedom Christ has set you free, he has jerry-rigged your soul with new life to like what he likes. See, people read verses like, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you desires of your heart. In other words, they, they focus on desires of your heart. And so what that means is, what are the desires of my heart? You just make a list. But see, you don't miss the whole verse. Because if you read the first part, of it, it said, delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. See, if you focus on the desires of your heart, then your delights won't be his delights. Did you hear that? Yeah. And so therefore, when you delight yourself in him, while you're spending time with him, being engaged by him, and his mind transforms you, then your, the desires of your heart that you ask him for are things that he would give anyway because it's stuff that you spent time enjoying him to get in contact with so that when you asked him, your prayers are answered. Why? Because it's stuff he already nurtured you in. And so he said, he said, he says, he says, the word of the cross is folly. This is a funny word. He said, you Corinthians, and these he's talking to Christians, he ain't talking about he's not just, talk, he's going to talk about Jew, unbelieving Jews in Greece, but he's going to talk about believers, how believers view the cross, <coughs> and the challenge of believers in the cross. Folly means ridiculous thought, a wildly mistaken idea or opinion. I remember when I first became a believer, and, and you know, I, I, I grew up, I, I came up, y'all, and a lot of y'all know my story, I, I came up in when it wasn't cool, like now being Christian is cool, but when, when I became a Christian, it was really not cool to become a Christian because hip hop was straight black power, you know, you 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 under the white man's philosophy and all of that kind of carrying on. So I had to kind of prove to them why I was a Christian. And so they look at it like they say, they say, so you so you mean to tell me, my brother? See that they always call you my brother, my brother. You mean to tell me that some spook God up in heaven, some spook God? Has a son and a spirit. <laughs> you hear that, my brother? And he sent. Listen to this. He he tells his son that he's gonna go to Earth, take on a body. Spook God takes on a body. They always call him a spook. Um, and, and 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 he went into a body. He grew up, and then he died on a cross. And when he died on the cross, that counts for me to be that. That don't even make sense. What, is, what does that have to do with it? They thought I was tripping. They thought I was like a madman. For, he said, you got all of this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding from the 360 degrees of the earth. They talking all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And, and, and laying all of this stuff out to me. And I'm like, yo, man, but like it, 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 it takes power to believe this. Y'all miss that. <laughs> it, 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 especially if you're not a Jew. Because the sacrificial system is not even a part of your mindset. And so he said, it's foolishness, it's folly. One one lexicon says the gospel's nonsense. It's nonsense. Another one says it's irrational foolishness, it's not even rational. Because he's thinking about rationalization based on man's view of what's rational, not on a spiritual view. Now, let me build this foundation for you I want y'all to get this and listen to this because it's going to play theological dividends when we get into the applicational portion of this. One commentator said, it is concerned as much with lack of knowledge as the lack of discernment. You don't even have discernment, this, this, this culture would say. And, express, and expressly in Corinth, In the authoritarian piety of the Corinthian spiritual party, which these were the high class people, and they despised lowliness. So they despised lowliness in other believers and in people. And so if you were lowly, if you didn't have any money, this is really where the prosperity gospel comes from. Corinth. Corinth was the first prosperity church. Y'all didn't know that, did you? Corinth was the first, because if you didn't have money, God wasn't with you. Because in their minds, if you're spiritual, money should come to you. All right? So they were the first one to say, money coming to me now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all lost that, right? They, they were the first. I lost half of the people right there. Good, you didn't know that. But, it's, it, but, 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 but they were the first church that, that viewed spirituality deeply connected to your natural status. And if your natural status was low, they didn't value you. But what happened is, is they didn't allow a cross-centered philosophy of, of, uh, 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 of suffering and challenge and glory to influence uh, this. I remember when he was playing the Epiphany Fellowship, and um, <coughs> back then, you know, I was on my Dickies fitted boots. You know, I was on my Tim's, I was in the pulpit tams, un- un- unlaced and carrying on, walking all around like this. You know what I'm saying? Looking thugged out in the mug, right? Some of y'all remember that. <laughs> A lady, I heard you, Sister Christy. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and and this lady said to me as we were playing the church, um, she said to you, Pastor, people aren't going to respect you if you look too much like them. If you look like the lowly people, she said this, if you look like the lowly people from your neighborhood, you can't reach them. I was, like, I was like, where does that come from? I just know how things are. I'm like, now I understood. I didn't need to be sagging. In the, you know, I didn't show my drawers, but I was sagging. Um, sagging means your pants coming down lower, for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> And I thought about that for years, about the philosophy of, of, of lowliness, people can't, they, she said, you have to have certain things in your life that make people look up to you, not just your doctrine and your relationship with your wife, but you have to have a nicer car, pastor, you have to, have a, you have to wear a certain type of attire so that as people look at you, they have something to attain to. I was like, wow, well, Jesus did a horrible job at that. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I was like, wow. It's like, where is that in any vicinity of the Bible, right? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 I mean, because why? Because when the cross changes your mindset, it changes your preferences. Changes your preferences. And then, it, because, because now you're looking at content, not just package. Right now, that doesn't mean that package doesn't matter. I don't hear I'm coming to that. But when we put too much on package and that content and character and theological competence and gospel commitment, then we miss it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, the cross changes your way of thinking about things. I've been extremely convicted about this in my life and and, and extremely convicted about it in how I relate to my family and how I relate to engaging my neighbors with the gospel. Do I engage the ones who think I think can do something for me or do I engage the ones that can't do anything for me? Cross, cross Cross makes you focus so differently, so backwards. He said it's folly to those who are perishing. He said not to us. He said, Well, how can you be a Christian and I bring up stuff about sacrifice and challenge and you think I'm talking, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but we're supposed to all be on the same page when it comes to this. He said, But it's folly to the ones who are perishing, not to us. What is it to those of us? He said, But to us who are being saved. Yeah. That's key. It is the power of God. <coughs> That's powerful. Now, being saved is key here because, it, because it's in a, please forgive me this, but, 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 it's, but it's, in, it's in a present passive. Now, it's not talking about justification becoming initially into a relationship with God through Christ. It's talking about now that you're in Christ, you're growing. That's where we get the growth part from. Present means it's happening right now. Passive means you're not doing it yourself. You're being grown by an outside force divine passive their pastor. In other words, God is the one who is actively growing you in your life, and the way he grows you is through the cross. Right. Now, now the, to those who are being saved, not to those who are perishing, perishing is present passive, right? Uh, but here, present passive, in other words, God is actively working in the believer's life to grow us the heck up. So it's the power of God. What does it mean that it's the power of God? power of God means on earth, those who know Christ know that the gospel is the way God gets stuff done. That's the way stuff gets done. It's through the gospel. It doesn't get done through the cross. It doesn't get done any other way uh, 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 but but through the goodness and glory of God. So in their context, in their culture, they would have viewed power differently because the Romans would have looked at that how is that power? you got to understand, crucifixion was the worst way to die. God is crazy, y'all, in a good way. you, you gotta understand? got to understand. Like, I, I can see the triune God sitting in eternity past, knowing how culture is going to go. God says, what, what, you know, the Bible says in Revelation 13, 9 or 6, it says, but Christ was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means it's a done deal. So God says, he already elect based on Ephesians chapter one, verse three, that Jesus Christ was going to die. He already said you're going to die for the sins of the world. But he's like, what should I use? Should I use a building to fall on you? Nah. Should I use like a chariot hitting you? Nah. (laughs) Oh, the Romans are going to create a cross. It's going to be the most torturous way in human history to die. And I'm going to sovereignly set things up where they despise the cross as the lowest form of everything. They'll have all different types of ways to die, but the way on the cross to die will be the lowest. Matter of fact, I'm going to set it up where you can't crucify a Roman citizen so that the Romans will despise it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the lowest thing on the planet to be the the greatest thing to cataclysmically change the universe and that's 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 powerful to me so that when somebody believes you know they're a believer because of how much it takes to believe that yeah. you do you get that that's what makes it the power of god it is it, 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 it's, it's not like that that made sense you know god dying on the cross for our sins and you're like that doesn't make any sense that God came from earth put himself in the womb of a woman that he created Yes, still being in heaven as father and being spirit as the one who conceived him and she lives her life He lives his life be born walk around no sin You know what I'm saying grows up lives a life We can never live and die the death we can never die and raised from the grave that we can never be raised from and when you Repent and believe in that that removes the wrath of God because it takes on the wrath of God. That's mind-boggling Mind-boggling. So God said, That's the way I'm going to save people. And I want to prepare you for the fact that people aren't going to understand it. You can do all the apologetics you want, and you should. But unless there is a move of God on the mind and heart of someone, they cannot believe. That's why He said, To us, it's the power of God because of that. But it's not only the power of God (coughs) because of that. Uh, 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 you know, it's the power of God because of very, very practical reasons. See, when I was smoking weed, y'all, I did smoke me some weed, I thought I was free. When I was engaged in honeys, I thought I was free. Um, and I thought that being in Christ would get in the way of what I wanted to do. And so, and so becoming a Christian didn't just mean going to heaven for me. It means enjoyment ending, what I viewed as enjoyment. Trusting Christ as Savior, I look back and I'm like, now I still miss that stuff, right? But I'm real about mine. um, I miss some stuff. But because of the changing mindset of the gospel, I look at it differently because I know where it ends. In, 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 in other words, when, when you, you fill in the blank, when you blanked, you thought you were free. Oh, y'all, y'all looking at me funny. It says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, appeared to us in the glorious message of the gospel, and we believed, a change took place, this change caused by the power of that inherent message within the gospel was a signal sent about us and the consequence of our sin for us to be moved out of it. So the gospel means so much to those who believe, it sent our lives on a new course. Because of this new course, it shapes everything. It shapes how we think about relationships. It shapes how we think about time. It shapes how we think about work. It shapes how we think about money. It shapes how we think about enjoyment. It shapes how we think about career. It shapes how we think about parenthood. It shapes how we think about femininity. It shapes how we think about masculinity. It shapes how we think about love. It shapes how we think about leadership. It shapes how we think about every single thing in our lives. And growing up in a broken home, myself, growing up in a broken home, um, my home was on a my life- My legacy was on a particular course. Even those of us who grew up in a solid Christian home, it put us on a particular course. But growing up in a broken home and then growing up and getting saved, you didn't realize how you were on a trajectory to recreate the brokenness that you were in. But God not only rescued you, but he also, uh, your offspring from the transmission of your dysfunction. Because the cross changed the trajectory of your family lineage. Oh, that, that may not get you. That may not get you. One, one of the guys I'm discipling right now, um, I'm working with him on how to think about raising money. And, uh, and, 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 I'm, and I'm working with him and fighting with him on, 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 on how to think about raising money, to, to plant churches and that type of thing. And, and one of the things that I always work with planters on is changing the trajectory on when you go raise money. And so, because when you go in there, you can't go in there like, well, um, excuse me, sir. Well, ma'am, I'm, I'm planning a church and just wanted to know if you get behind. No, you look at them like that. I go, know how you going. I tell them this is how you're going there. That God called you. And there's resources out there waiting for you to go get. Amen. And since he called you and he builds his church, you're just shaking bushes so that the cherries can fall out them mugs. Yeah, yeah. Say, the mugs. I said, but God, see, if you think that being a pastor and a church planter is a lowly place, it is. But lowliness in man's eyes is exaltation in God's eyes. Why? Because the gospel changes how you believe. What what makes somebody go out and go somewhere that they don't live, move their family somewhere where they've never been, and to start talking to people about coming a part of something that doesn't exist and start talking to strangers about a gospel that they've never heard? The cross! Well, that don't get you. My wife... Her parents live in a 5,000 square foot house plus on an acre lot, three car garage, five bedrooms, like four bathrooms, nasty crib, game room, three fireplaces, nasty, John, nasty. Hardwoods all throughout it. You know what I'm saying, they, they got a brick thing built in front of their house, a brick wall, you know what I'm saying, um, with, with, with the name of their house on it and all that, and then they you know, they live in the house where the mailman don't come up to your house, he come out to the edge of your house and put it in. That's how you know you got you a crib, you know what I'm saying, with somebody, you know, I ain't talking about, you know, I ain't talking about, you know, you in the country, you know what I'm talking about, and it's too far to walk, I'm talking about, your house so banging, you don't want nobody near it, you just put it in their clothes the joint up, bow, you gone, right? That's how you know you got a crib. Some of y'all feel the Holy Ghost right now. you like, this how I want it? God, I'll I receive it right now. But <laughs> my wife's father was a, 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 an expansive businessman. Owns a water company, construction company. And here comes this little beady head, dark-skinned dude from Washington, D.C. Ain't got no money, no house, nutching. 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 Just, just a whole bunch of divine potential. Just potential that God puts in. And then getting married to me with no money, working hard, working two jobs, putting her through school, me through school, and then plant a church in a place where she's not familiar with. Like my wife grew up in the burbs, and I'm moving her in the inner city to engage the urban context. (laughs) And and to be walking distance from the trash all up and down our street. We can smell the aroma of trash. Not baked goods from like Panera or something in the suburbs. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's Panera or something. You know, in the suburbs, the aroma's being in the air. You know, we ain't got no, it's just cat urination everywhere. You know, it's, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, I, you know, we got a maybe 1,600 square feet. You know, a little slob of grass, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we live in a, a twin, and I walk to the building stepping over feces of dogs that people use. And, and why would a woman marry a worthless man and move in a broken neighborhood when her potential before she met me could have been greater? She could have married a lawyer. She could have married a doctor. I feel God right now. She could have, she could have done better than me. She could have done a lot better than me. But the foolishness of the gospel gave her a mindset that was so different. That she would have seen, like Moses, the passing pleasures of Egypt as nothing in comparison to the glory of suffering with Christ to see the world reach with the gospel. What's your mindset? I ain't saying you can't make a lot of money. Don't hear me saying that. But how is it being leveraged? Is it just for you? Is your resources just for you? Is your life just for your family? Is your life just for you? Just for your enjoyment? Are you building your life around what you want to be and what you want, your own personal trajectory and not thinking about others? See, the cross changes all of that. It breaks us of all of that. This thing is folly to the world. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking to students that went, that went to formerly PBU Not Caring and some of the guys crying with their parents. I didn't send you to, to schools with all of this money for you to go get a Bible degree. I didn't do this to send you to, to medical school, some parents, so that you can go set up a clinic for people who can't pay What makes people make these type of selfless decisions? Or a person says, why would you make all of those resources and then send it to the broken places to see things change? Why in the world would you choose a man like that? Why would you choose a woman like that? Why would you choose a church like that? When the gospel changes your mind, when the gospel changes your heart, you think differently. And you don't let anything get in the way of that. You say, you say, your mind needs changing, dog, not mine. Your mind needs changing. Your trajectory on life needs changing. Let's chop it up about loneliness. That's, why, that's what makes the prosperity gospel so perverted. Because exaltation lacks humiliation. But there's something let me just say as a close there, there's some things that God's going to be leading you to do. College student, parent, single person. It's going to make he, you, you, he's going to cause you throughout your life to make decisions that don't make sense. That do not, I'm just telling you right now. It's going to it's going to seem in man's eyes as the worst move on it's, I'm just telling you this, this like it's not the move up. But in God's kingdom, the way up isn't up. The way up is down. That's that's just the way it works. That's what makes the gospel folly to men. Because of the way God thinks about things, God thinks in paradox. And so some of us have some hard decisions to make. Some of us have some, some of y'all are dating some folk. I'm going to make this real practical. Some of y'all are dating some folk you just like because you like the idea of being married or you like the idea of what you think they'd be but you're not going to change them. The gospel is the power of God. <laughs> you better be very, very careful of your personal ingenuity. You, you, better, you, better, you better spend time on your face saying, God, give me clarity because if I just make a decision based on my own personal preferences, not that you don't bless preferences, you do, but as long as our preferences are submitted to his biblical principles, he's cool with it. So don't you, don't you give up on the cross being God's way. Don't you give up, believer. Some of you are, have been getting weary and well-doing. And God called you to be where you are. God called you to do what you're doing. And you're getting weary because the world's mindset is like, I'm, I'm in this and God seems to not be doing what looks like success now. And that's the time where his spirit is working on you the greatest. When your life is lowly, when your life is in pain, when your life is hurting, he's working the greatest. When you're challenged with the confusion of, did I hear from you, God? Whenever you say, did I hear from you? Usually you did. Just the struggle of where you are or what, not even just physical struggle, in it, but the struggle of what you actually want as a goal and God not doing it the way that you thought he was going to do it. And, and you struggle right there and you're sitting in that, pl- I've been there, I've been there planning the church and wondering I, I wonder who's going to come today. How are we going to make it? Moving here with $30,000 for the church in the bank, needing a quarter of a million dollar budget. I understand that. Not knowing whether my wife was going to live to be 30 years old. I've been there. What am I going to do with my sons? Two sons, they're going to be, uh, 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 I'm going to be a single dad thinking, God, what, did you call me here? Should I go back to corporate? What should I Listen, 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 let me tell you something. You hang in there. You hang in there. You stay right there. Don't you move. Don't you go. God's got you. It may be delayed, but it's not denied. Don't you move. Don't you move. And God has a way of making sweeter, making sweeter the resurrection that you experience for taking up your cross. And it makes... It makes your worship sweeter. It makes the legacy of your voice sweeter. And it pushes us to encourage others to say, let's do it God's way. You need some people in your life to say, I know this looks crazy, but let's do it God's way. Some of you called it a mission field. Some of you are called to do all types of things. And I'm just letting you know that there, this life, God promises that there's going to be Really, just because th- the battle, the greatest battlefield is whether or not you believe that the way the cross is shaping up in your life is the will of God, and that's what changes everything. I gotta go, Father. I wanted to get through much more of this, God, but we stopped where we stopped, and Lord, I, I, I am. Passionate. I'm still working through so much of this myself, and so much of it, and trying to understand what it means and what it looks like to make decisions that are heavenly. And your way, your weird way to us, I am um, asking you, God, to leverage our lives, leverage. Each one of us, we have different types of people here from different socioeconomic backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds, varying levels of spiritual maturity, ages, ethnicities, subcultures. Lord God, but if we're in you, we recognize that the gospel is the power of God. And so, mighty Father, mighty Father, will you shape us, help us to be smitten by you, smitten by your way, smitten by what you're cooking. You're the best cook. <laughs> the ingredients that you use to provide miracles is the worst thing. Items to cook with. But because of your power, when it finishes cooking, it's a cu- it's, it represents culinary excellency. And so God, maybe someone here doesn't know you as Savior, doesn't know you in the pardon of their sin. They've never trusted this cross that we've been talking about today where you expunged your wrath through Christ's death. Christ's death paid for our sins. He was raised from the grave as a declaration of your justice being satisfied. If there's anyone here that wants to put faith in Christ and come into a relationship with this God for the first time, for the first time, that's you. That's you. Why don't you slip your hand in the air so we can share Jesus with you?